6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Tries to sell a little more. A penny here, a penny there. 
שקט קלה, בעיני שבת נקבלה. לך דודי לקראת קלה, בעיני שבת נקבלה. למלך, 
meant to sing your song We sing on the seventh day The seventh day of every week Each up is our day of rest For the one above we look our best Sing a song of praise Shabbos we shall keep Ms. Marshir Leo Shabbos Ms. Marshir Leo Shabbos Ms. Marshir Leo Thank 
Angeschafft.
Thank you. 
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a uh, <laughs> a very interesting Friday morning edition, to say the least. I want to thank ZK. We had, for those of you paying really, really close attention over the last, uh, oh, I don't know, almost half hour or so, you may have been able to detect that we were having a, uh, what I would call a major technical problem. Yeah, that's how I would refer to it. I'd refer to it as a major technical problem. And uh, because of the... Uh, incredible troubleshooting of the one and only ZK. We were able to uh, go ahead and to get back on and uh, and present our great radio broadcast 10 minutes before 7 o'clock, 6.50 Eastern time in the morning on a Friday. Isruchag outside of Israel on this June 2nd, day 8 in the month of Sivan. The most recent selection you heard from a Baruch Chaitin company with Adon Alam. There were a lot of other great selections also, I'm sure, <laughs> that you were listening to in the last hour. 
uh, which I can't review at this moment, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure no doubt that they were great. Uh, it's Isru Chag, as I said, outside of Israel. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso with candle lighting time at 8.02 on this Erev Shabbos, 8.02 in the New York area. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, it's 8.02, official candle lighting time uh, on this uh, Erev Shabbos. Uh, 62 degrees, mostly sunny, a high of 77. We're hoping for the same type of forecast and uh, weather outlook for this coming Sunday. Believe it or not, the Celebrate Israel Parade is this coming Sunday. We are looking forward to it. We're looking forward to bringing it to you at the American Committee for Sharitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. And um, we are hoping for this kind of weather. We're hoping for this kind of, exactly this kind of weather. Like if we could, if we could just save it for a couple of days, it would be amazing. Um, hopefully, that's what we'll have. And uh, no matter what the case is, make sure to join us on Fifth Avenue in New York City with the American Committee for Shiretetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. Should be a lot of fun as we uh, broadcast from the parade and um, and bring you the sights and sounds of celebrating Israel. Malcolm Honeline within the hour, scheduled for 7.40 Eastern time this morning here at JM in the AM. Lots of news over the last couple of weeks. That's an understatement. Lots of news over the last couple of weeks. Malcolm Honeline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, is scheduled to join us here at JM in the AM. Um... At 7.40 Eastern Time. Yeah. He's scheduled for 7.40 Eastern Time. Want to say hi to listener Simon, who wishes us Shabbat Shalom Varach on the app. Those of you who are looking at the app, I'm sure you see that. Um, Naomi Nachman follows us with Table for Two coming up here at the Nachum Siegel Network at 9 a.m. Then the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, including... The Kedem presentation of Mark Zomick's Friday Live Lunch is all coming up throughout the entire day, all the way until candle lighting time. Live Lunch begins at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So I thank you for uh, for tuning in and keeping it here all day long. You'll be glad you did, that I can tell you. Friday morning broadcast on this Isru Chag outside of Israel. Plenty more coming up. As we said, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents. What does he think? about some of the recent news items that have occurred vis-a-vis Israel and the Jewish world. We will find out if you keep it right here at JM and the AM on the Nachum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M. with Leif Tahar. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSegal.com. On the NahumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We are going to give our equipment, we're going to give our computer system a bit of a rest and not 
uh, go to our friends in uh, Israel with Gale Tzal for our newscast. We'll just drift right into hour number two here at JM in the AM after the uh, little bit of a uh, of a glitch. And again, big big thank you to ZK, to say the least. After a little bit of a glitch this morning, we'll give our equipment a little bit of a rest. Coming up at 740 this morning, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us, talk about the uh, events of the week and of the last couple of weeks, our weekly update coming up at 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin on Parshas Nusso coming up at 8.15. Candle lighting at 8.02 tonight. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. For the New York area, it's officially 8.02. Your candle lighting time. Don't forget the Celebrate Israel Parade is Sunday, and it's going to be a good one up Fifth Avenue in New York City. We bring you the sights and sounds, courtesy of the American Committee for Sharetetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. Join us starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at NahumSiegel.com on the NSN app. You can hear everything, of course. We'll be Facebook living. We'll be doing a whole bunch of great things. Uh, so make sure to be tuned in and join us this coming Sunday starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for the Celebrate Israel Parade up Fifth Avenue in New York City. Again, courtesy of our friends, the American Committee for Shared Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Very, very much looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. It should be a great day in New York and for Israel, for people watching and listening from around the world. JM in the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, plenty more coming up. This comes from sheer volume number two at JM in the AM.
Good morning, 22 minutes after the hour, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Candle lighting at 8.02 in the New York area. It's Isru Chag. Hope your Shavuos was wonderful and delicious. Whether you enjoy the dairy menu, the meat menu, or both, hope your Shavuos was spectacular. And I thank everybody for listening in from around the world. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. The weekly update is coming up just minutes from now here at JM in the AM. As we talk about the events and the news of the last couple of weeks. Again, the uh, weekly update scheduled for 7.40 Eastern Time this morning right here at the JM and the AM. Celebrate Israel Parade is Sunday. Congratulations to Grand Marshal Rabbi Haskell Lukstein. We mentioned this the other day when uh, Michael Miller was on. What a great choice. What an amazing choice. Rabbi Lukstein as the Grand Marshal of the uh, Celebrate Israel Parade. We wish him a mazel tov. Look forward to seeing him and everybody on Sunday. Celebrate Israel Parade coverage begins with us at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure you tuned in all the details at NahumSiegel.com. And um, join us from around the world. We'll give you the sights and sounds of Fifth Avenue, all brought to you courtesy of the American Committee 
Rashari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. And you have an opportunity to, uh, if you're not able to be there on Fifth Avenue, and believe you me, we hope you'll be on Fifth Avenue, but if you're not able to, you'll be able to be part of it by uh, listening in and uh, watching our broadcast uh, of the parade. So again, join us Sunday with the American Committee for Shiretetic Medical Center in Jerusalem as we bring you the Celebrate Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Should be a lot of fun. Malcolm Holmline, 15 minutes from now, or by Uden at 8.15 this morning on Parshas Nusso, coming up here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network. Full day, of course. Uh, make sure you're tuned in uh, really all through the day, all the way until candlelighting time. The Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix is always amazing. Always incredible. So you get that opportunity uh, every Friday, all the way until candlelighting time. And my thanks to uh, Mark Zamek for uh, presenting it. Uh, Naomi Nachman is coming up today. Naomi Nachman is coming up today uh, with a, a Table for Two episode, an encore episode featuring nutritionist Beth Warren, blogger and cookbook author Leah Shapira, and Baked by BB owners Sarah Beebe and Barbara Dayan. It's all coming up at 9 o'clock. Then the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, sponsored by our friends at Kedem at 1 o'clock. Mark Zomik's Arab Shabbat Live Lunch, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel. Sunday, it'll be Matis with JM Sunday in advance of our coverage of the big parade. And then at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, you'll be able to hear and see what we hear and see um, at the parade this coming Sunday. Should be a lot of fun, that's for sure. Uh, more coming up. This is JM in the AM. And um, and this comes from the Miami Boys Choir.
Thank <laughs> you. Thank <laughs> you. 
Friday morning broadcast with Melach Malchai Amlachin. That's Ohad and the Kinderlach together on that selection. Uh, before that, you heard the um, uh, you heard the uh, Menucha Vesimcha from a Shabbat in Liverpool with Lenny Solomon and company. Miami Mizrach had Lo Yanum off of the Yesh CD. Friday morning on this Isru Chag outside of Israel. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso with candle lighting time at 8.02 on this Erev Shabbos. 8.02 is your candle lighting time in the New York area. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are, especially now that the Sphira Saomer is over. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Should make sure you know when things start where you are in your neighborhood. Uh, mostly sunny, a high of 77. Hoping for a very similar weather forecast is coming Sunday for the Celebrate Israel Parade coming up on uh, Fifth Avenue in New York City. Those of you who uh, don't get a chance to experience it, experience it with us. As we broadcast live from the parade this coming Sunday, gives everybody an opportunity to uh, enjoy the sights and sounds and participate in that way. Ideally, we want everybody on Fifth Avenue, come on out, make sure to uh, show great support, um, make sure to show uh, a, a tremendous pride in the state of Israel, and um, what can I tell you? Just get ready for a great day. So it's this coming Sunday, that's right, this coming Sunday, New York City, Celebrate Israel Parade, up Fifth Avenue, New York City. We bring you coverage courtesy of the committee, the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Again, the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. And we thank them profusely for working with us to, um, to bring you the, uh, all the action. So again, thank you to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. And we're looking forward to bringing it all to you and uh, to participating together and uh, to experiencing the whole thing together. Malcolm Honeline and the weekly update coming up. Malcolm Honeline, the weekly update coming up, scheduled for 7.40 Eastern time this morning here at JMAM. He'll be with us within minutes. Malcolm Honeline, weekly update, lots to talk about. He'll join us coming up right here at JM in the AM. Ma ha yedidu 
JM in the AM. <laughs> Friday morning on this Isru Chag outside of Israel. That's right. Today's is Isru Chag outside of Israel. Hope your Shavuos was wonderful. Whether you enjoyed the uh, dairy menu, the meat menu, or both menus. Hope your Shavuos was inspiring, delicious, and wonderful. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nussa with candle lighting at 8.02 in the New York area. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, for the New York area, officially 8.02, your candle lighting time. Hoping for great weather for Sunday. You know why? New York City celebrates Israel. That's right. The Celebrate Israel Parade up Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday. We'll be there broadcasting throughout the entire day starting at 11 a.m. Courtesy of our friends at the American Committee for Sharetetic Medical Center in Jerusalem. And um, it's always a great day. It's always fun. It's always high-spirited. It's always wonderful. And we hope everybody comes out. Don't forget the Israel Day concert follows 72nd Fifth Avenue. 72nd Street, 5th Avenue at the summer stage. The concert with a message as it's billed. Spoke to Dr. Frager about this earlier in the week. And uh, he uh, asks everyone to uh, spend some time toward the end of the day coming to the concert, enjoying the music, and uh, being part of that important message. So to celebrate Israel Parade is Sunday. Everybody make sure to reserve time this Sunday to enjoy an incredible celebration of Israel. Often we don't get an opportunity to celebrate. Um, some of us were privileged to be there this uh, this past Yom Yerushalayim for the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, and that was a celebration. That was a full-fledged celebration of the Jewish world and the heart of Israel in Jerusalem. Uh, we'll hopefully be able to get a taste of it this coming Sunday up Fifth Avenue. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically some can enthusiastically recommend our incredible network to their uh, hundreds of thousands of readers as um, and and they are ready to uh, provide uh, thousands of articles for you over Shabbos uh, print them out before Shabbos and enjoy all their amazing content also want to thank our friends at onlysimchas.com onlysimchas.com continues and they did on Yom Yushalayim as well and I thank them for that uh, with our wonderful broadcast from Israel, continues to uh, utilize a whole bunch of our content, including some of our shows from Israel, in their news feed, a news feed that's much more than just Simchas, a news feed that includes a whole bunch of great news from around the Jewish world. Thank you, OnlySimchas.com, OnlySimchas.com. Check them out today. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Fridays here uh, on JM in the AM for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. It's good to be back with you. I hope everybody had a meaningful Shavuos and uh, were able, if they didn't participate personally, at least have participated uh, through the broadcast and everything in the amazing events in Jerusalem last week. Oh, Jerusalem Day was incredible. That was uh, one unbelievable week. An honor to be part of it. It was just a fantastic celebration. I hope it continues this coming Sunday. Uh, well, th- th- I mean, my holiday was fine until uh, the middle of day two when I started hearing the news that was coming out of Washington, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, let me first remind everybody with you on the other end that this Sunday is a golden opportunity to continue the Jerusalem celebration and really to come out and uh, show a big show of support for Israel, the Celebrate Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue in New York City. You've always been an enthusiastic supporter. 
Why not explain to everybody for a second why it's so vital that everyone come out and enjoy it? Well, I think you've said it all, uh, and that people by this point, I hope, realize why it's so important. Just take a look at all the groups that are organizing to protest against it, and then you'll have a better idea of why this is so critical that we show support for Israel at this time. Uh, after the decision that was made to show our support for Yerushalayim, to show that we appreciate it, that we're worthy of the tremendous list this generation has to have Israel, and to show God that we don't take for granted the amazing miracles that surround it. All right, you know what news I'm referring to? I'm referring to the uh, decision by the President of the United States to um, rescind his uh, campaign promise, and instead of um, guaranteeing that the embassy in Israel would move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, he signed a waiver yesterday which would postpone this decision uh, for at least six months. Uh, if it's longer or different than that, you'll let us know. Um, what is your reaction to the president's decision not to move the embassy? Well, I'm disappointed, of course. We all wanted to see it happen. Uh, I'm not surprised, as you know. I told you that uh, I thought that the buildup, uh, the number one, that there was much too much publicity about it, and it became a challenge, and we saw that King Abdallah came here and of Jordan and urged the president to do it. Perhaps others told him the same, and some of his advisors. We know there was uh, discussions within the administration. We don't know whether there was a split, uh, as there were on some of the other issues uh, of late. But the um, uh, the statement at least left the door open that uh, it's something he still intends to do or promised that he intends to keep. I know there'll be disappointment in other constituencies, the Christian evangelicals who are very big supporters of his, for whom this has also become a major issue, and uh, they have argued for it. Uh, and certainly for for the Jewish community, the, the Prime Minister's comment, as you saw, was very balanced. It recognized the friendship of the President for Israel. And uh, I, I was privileged to be amongst the few people that were invited to be at the Kotel when the President came, and it was very moving to see for the first time a sitting President visit the, the Kotel, put on a yarmulke, and clearly demonstrate that this is a Jewish holy site. I think it's the best refutation to the ongoing efforts of UNESCO and others to uh, denigrate or deny the Jewish connection. But still, the, the, this could have been done in an easy way. It's, it's not the right. moving of the embassy. People have to realize we're not going to move a building at this point. Yeah. It's, it's hundreds of people. It will take years to do that. Isn't it remarkable that that gesture of going to the Kotel and really declaring, as you just said, with his actions, what he did declare in terms of historical connection and the present circumstances regarding Israel and Jerusalem or East Jerusalem, if, if, if someone out there would prefer. Um, isn't it amazing how that did not cause any type of uh, reaction or violent protests among those who may disagree with that move? But when it comes to the, this, this symbolic move of the embassy, as you just described it, not, not physical, but it's, it, it's unbelievable how they fear what the other side, what the other side to the peace process might do or may not do because of it. It just, it, it, to me, it seems so ridiculous that one gesture uh, nobody has a problem with, and they go, and he goes ahead with it without any fear. And this other gesture is so questionable to him. Well, I think part of the uh, problem is that that's coming to these threats. 
uh, is is a mistake because there's never a limit. Right. You you have to be judicious. You do it right. You don't take on issues unnecessarily. Where where I think there are obviously the war in Iran, the, the conflicts, uh, so many important issues in the region. But the symbolism of the recognition of Jerusalem, and we're not talking about East Jerusalem. This doesn't go beyond anything that, that is not accepted. And when the House uh, voted 90% and 93% of the Senate voted for this in 1995, and the fact that every president promises to move the embassy. I mean, if every promise had been fulfilled, we'd have probably 30 embassies in Jerusalem already. The, the, <clears throat> we have to think about the message that it sends also, that America should stand up for what it believes in. Again, I think it has to be done judiciously, and I think the problem was that there was too much hype in the beginning. But I don't. But that doesn't make sense to me. How could there? How could there not be hype? How could there not be? You know, no, I think that it's something you do. You don't talk about there. Sometimes when you're better off doing something and doing it smart, and here it, it you know the the whole image of this has been so blown out of proportion about what this would entail. You know, there are various suggestions of putting up a plaque at the existing consulates or something. That's why I was trying to say that it's not moving the embassy right. yet, I, because we, it means moving hundreds of people. You need to build a building. It'll take years to do it. I don't know. I think this gesture, and by the way, I, I, I said East Jerusalem, meaning that if somebody out there would have the outrageous opinion that the Kotel or that area would even be considered East Jerusalem, even they, even that camp didn't react to his gesture. But it just doesn't make sense to me that he's going. he goes to the Kotel, he goes to the Western Wall, he establishes that the United States now under his leadership recognizes Israel's control of that area and, and its historical significance to that area, and nobody says a word. And if they would have just gone ahead and d- done what you just described, the plaque, some type of, you know, some type of, of informal ceremony or formal ceremony, whatever it was, I don't think anybody would have said boo. Well, I think what he could have done is called that morning or before it happens to the king and to the to Abbas and said, listen, this ship is leaving the dock. You will see in the morning when you wake up, nothing has changed. There's only going to be a plaque there, and the ambassador will sit there, you know, two days a week or whatever. Um, as you know, that they, they, despite what he claimed, they, he, his residence will remain primarily in in the in um, in Herzliya, and he will and. Uh, at times at the King David in Jerusalem uh, for security and other reasons. And the, um, uh, you know, the, it's, well, it's very complicated because I think a lot of this has to do with experience with the issues and how you address uh, some of the concerns that have been raised. And um, we hope that this is uh, just a temporary gesture and that, that we will see uh, the embassy uh, established. I, I want to see a declaration that united Jerusalem, and you know it was it was one of the issues I raised. And if you remember about the Russian declaration, and even ministers in Israel welcomed it and said, "Look what they said. They recognized that West Jerusalem is the capital." And I told them it's the worst thing in the world that could happen for Jerusalem. The recognition of West Jerusalem is not an issue. Everybody says that West Jerusalem will stay there. But what they did essentially is give East Jerusalem away. Right. Well, I don't want a declaration that West Jerusalem is the embassy or the recognition is that you put it on this side. I want a declaration. We want to see uh, a, a emergence of a policy that retains the unity of Jerusalem. Everything, I think, can be worked out. If, if you have strong policies, you show determination. And as you said, when the president makes a decision and he goes someplace, his speech at the at the um, uh, museum was very tough. He had very strong lines, 
And I'm sure that the people were not didn't like it. He, he the reports that yeah. he met with Abbas and yelled at him and to let him know that he lied to him, which Abbas has been known to do all the time, everywhere and consistently that it's been their policy because he was never held to account. The Obama administration and, um, and even before, and Arafat did the same. They, they, they lied to the face of the presidents, and Clinton, if you remember, exploded about it and, uh, and, and said he was a liar. And the, the, um, now when he told the president that he did not engage in incitement and that he's made a peace, et cetera, et cetera, and the president said, look, I saw all the evidence that you personally were involved. And, and they just saw the announcement that, that he had appointed a, a former terrorist the one who who killed uh, Bromberg, um, Avram Bromberg, to to the Fatah Council, and he now you saw two interesting developments. I think are really remarkable. One is that the United Nations pulled funding from a community center named for Dalal Mugrabi, who who uh, took part in the killing of uh, of dozens of people on the coastal road in the bus in in 1978. Because of who it was named for, that's why they yes, pulled. Wow. Yes, and that Denmark. Uh, also, which has been terrible in providing funding to NGOs that work against the state of Israel, as, as Norway, Sweden, and others, these great Scandinavian uh, countries who have been consistently engaged in this, uh, this stuff, they also pulled the funding, and now they say they're doing a total review of the money that they give. I think it amounts to $8 million or more, uh, but they, they supported this uh, uh, building, this community sent operation, uh, and because uh, of naming it for a terrorist, they pulled their funding from it also. All right. That's if everybody did it, and there was some consistency in it, because they wouldn't do it anywhere else, would they provide funding? And, and in such a blatant way, Abbas and the PA have consistently you know, supported it, and especially the money. There's a new study that shows that over a billion dollars was paid out to, to uh, terrorists uh, over over the years, to to in this scheme, you know, where they give money for the more you kill, the more you get, uh, and the the um, uh, for the for killing and for maiming and for or or their families if they uh, quote martyred, and then the declarations of buildings etc. in their honors. This is outrageous, and and hopefully the the Taylor Force Act. I saw that Chuck Schumer came out with a very strong statement about it. Uh, so did other Democrats now. More and more people finally are coming to the recognition that this outrageous practice, which, frankly, you and I have discussed on this show for a long time, and uh, people did not pay attention to it. And, uh, you know, when they're spending uh, so much money, so much of the... um, uh, of the money that should have been going to their people, and they complain about the the unfortunate condition of the Palestinians. Well, why don't they look at this and see where where the money is actually going and how come? All right, you got You got to help me close out this issue. And I know that <laughs> I know that you probably feel I harp on it too much. Probably, we got. I'm sure. I mean, we got. I got. You got to satisfy me here with an answer of who's to blame for this whole embassy thing. I I, I have it down to three. Okay, I have it down to three. One is American Jewish leadership, which I think you've alluded to as an unfair accusation on my part, but I think it was a terribly wasted opportunity not to sit on the president for these past months from the moment he made that commitment and make sure that that embassy be moved. That's number one. Number two, if it really is the prime minister of Israel, and I have said that if it is the prime minister of Israel who's making this request of the United States, then I'm willing to you know give everybody a pass because he knows more about Israel's security and negotiations than anybody else as far as I'm concerned. Then, then you really have to question 
if he would be coming out with the statements that he's been coming out with. I mean, he, I think it takes a lot of nerve if he made a request of the United States and of President Trump not to move that embassy. It takes a lot of nerve. Okay, wait, wait, don't waste your time. It's not true. The prime minister did not do it, So, and he wanted it moved. So, that, And the third that, thing is, if we're now sitting with what is being regarded as the best as the best pro-Israel circle of people in the White House, with the ambassador to Israel, we know what his position is when it comes to Israel. We know what the Mideast envoy's position is when it comes to Israel. We even know somewhat what his son-in-law's position is when it comes to Israel. One would think that that inner circle would guarantee that this move would be made. So, will you join me in assigning blame to somebody for all of this or not? No. And... <laughs> and <laughs> First of all, I mean, it's silly. The blame, the blame game doesn't produce anything, and anybody who blames somebody will come up with a theory like this one that, that the prime minister is telling him we don't really want you to do it. I have spoken to the prime minister about it. I, you know, I saw him when I was there last week. It is absolutely not true, and there's no evidence that it is true or indication that they uh, – it's not true. And his statement indicated that, that – I mean, that he didn't scream and yell and kick and, and, and threaten – it's right because the, you know Israel has tremendous agendas now with the with the United States government and and you know they can't um, I think his protestations were strong and in the private meetings I know that he did urge that the embassy be moved whether he said this is the singular issue that's that's most important I can't tell you but. Uh, certainly that was not the case. Second, I don't think it's fair to blame American Jewish leadership because they have supported it. We, they've come out for it. They, they talk about it, those who, who do. And, um, uh, you know, this is something that has been communicated to the administration. Uh, and remember, this is a, a different kind of administration than we have dealt with in the past. So what the channels are, are very hard to determine. And the role of the individuals you mentioned or or others in, in decisions, and it's clear that on many decisions, they're split decisions. You have people advocating for and against uh, climate control or Jerusalem bills or other things. Uh, frankly, it's hard to determine exactly how how each decision is made and how the competition, internal competition, uh, plays out on this. But I think that it's clearly it was the influence of the Arab leaders who told the president this is unnecessary. We're gonna you're gonna incite thing, and he says, look, I can wait six months. I'll, I'll review it in the interim months, and and make a decision. I think the pressure has to be kept up, and I'm telling you, it's not just that the Jewish leaders. Uh, uh, urged him to do it, said he should do it. Also, Christian leaders in America who right. carry a lot of weight because yep. they delivered a lot of votes for him. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago about the uh, the, the reaction of the Jewish community. You know, are we going to show that Jerusalem cares? I think the hype and all the you know the hoopla of this entire uh, process does show that uh, uh, American jury cares. In other words, usually I'm with you when it comes to us not being focused on Jerusalem and bringing items like this to the president and the White House's attention. But in this case, I really think we did. I think that uh, that the collective Jewish community you know, showed tremendous enthusiasm for it. I don't, I don't think they can be blamed for, for not uh, expressing their opinion on this one. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSingle.com on the NahumSingle Network and, of course, on our beloved NSN app. By the way, and I know there's a million news items to talk about, but just a note from – and I'm, you probably noticed already because I'm sure you listen to our programming all day long. Um, one of the – I mean, there were so many hi- <laughs> there were so many highlights in Jerusalem, and I'm sure you and I could exchange them for hours, but I will tell you I had the privilege of um, – 
presiding over the Tuesday night closing session for the Mizrahi, which included Rabbi Lau and Natan Sharansky and Rami Gorin, etc., etc. And Natan Sharansky, of course, gets up. And what does he speak about? He speaks about, you know, what those soldiers meant, what the Israeli soldiers at the, at the wall meant to those who were in the, the Soviet Union, those who were either in the Gulag or, you know, who were refused Nicks in other ways, um, who were, you know, who had heard the news from Israel. And as the soldiers, the three paratroopers, were telling their individual stories, I'm sitting next to Natan Sharetsky, and he is hanging on every single word as if he is reliving the entire experience. And again, for those, and, and, and this is a really good context maybe for me to mention something else I wanted to tell you about. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a rally planned. There is a rally planned um, by a segment of the Jewish community against the Israeli government because of a supposed proposed draft law, which I, I think is so unclear that I don't even know how anyone can establish that there's you know a, a, a specific direction the draft is going in Israel. And every one of those rallies, and I think you, could, you would agree with this, every one of those rallies turns into an anti-state of Israel rally. It's not just a rally about the draft issue uh, for those who should or should not be drafted. It turns into an issue publicly against the state of Israel with terrible public statements made about the government and the state of Israel. And I think that, especially in light of this Yom Yerushalayim celebration and, and remembering what Jerusalem and the state means to Jews around the world, Allah Sharansky, what I just told you from 50 years ago, I think it would be very prudent for every religious Jewish leader to think many times before they attend a rally like that. Are you willing to join me in advising them to think very hard about it? I wish they would think hard about a lot of things right now, and, it, and I think this. It, it, I, I don't. I, first of all, I think it's been condemned uh, by most of the leadership, including in Israel, that uh, they have come out against uh, these demonstrations, and many of them turned violent, and they're a, a, a marginal group. And uh, while they have a certain rabbinic backing, I don't think that it's. Uh, um, you know, it's certainly not widespread or, or even uh, condoned by most of the of the segments. And I think that there's a lot of confusion about the, the issue itself. As you said, when you ask people to define it and explain exactly what, what they think the law says, and uh, I, for, for one, can tell you that I still don't understand it all. Uh, but the... the the, the rally, for instance, at the at the parade, there will be people there who will look dressed in traditional Jew garb, you know, from the Turkarta, who come there and stand there with the enemies of Israel. They are enemies of Israel as well, and I think enemies of the Jewish people. And and you think of the damage that they're doing when you see the challenges that we face, uh, and we're not getting into the issues which are really critical today. We see, you know, Iran's expansion of its influence and the the, um, uh, the role, role that they're playing in the growth of some of the terrorist entities and things that are going on around Israel, that the, um, uh, you know, the, the fact that people can so uh, glibly lend their names and their forces. I, I find very few people, even in the most Haredi communities, who, who really support or are not embarrassed by the activities of these groups. And the only way to counter it is with the pocketbook. All right. I, uh, I may have some suggestions of people you need to speak to before uh, that planned rally in Brooklyn, New York. Um, all right. So was there an agreement or not that certain areas in Area C be transposed into Area B, meaning that uh, in light of the president's visit, 
to Israel. Israel has agreed to turn over areas that they control to PA control. As far as I know, that is not the case. What I know, uh, and and that is one of the things that has been proposed, is that they would expand the areas where they would be able to build and and. Um, and we remember that that uh, I don't know ninety percent of the area, eighty some percent of the area is not inhabited. So it's you're talking about uh, expansion and, and giving them um, building rights in more areas. Uh, Cajalon went to visit the um, uh, the PA uh, Prime Minister, and he laid out some of the recommendations and things that the Israel was offering, which was a response to the visit and to some of the uh, pressure that was brought to bear, which would mean the, keeping the Allenby Bridge open for 24 hours, um, to, to some of the other steps that they, you know, gestures on uh, taxes or on uh, making it easier for people, workers, to get in and out from the PA, but um, not talking about transferring any land that no government of Israel that I know of would, we, would do that. And and you know what's interesting is that you see it's universal the criticisms of the PA that the leaders of the of the Labor Party, the Zionist Union, went to visit the this, the uh, territories and in a demonstration of support before the president's visit. You see Yair Lapid's uh, op-ed pieces. Um, uh, so the. Um, uh, you know, they, they, uh, there is a universal feeling in Israel, I think, in a sense, that uh, where the people of Israel are on this issue, and I think no government uh, is uh, blind to that. So these are gestures. These are things that they came to an understanding. There may be much more in the works, but this is what I know. Uh, we know that the president had a successful, at least what he viewed as a successful trip to Saudi Arabia before Israel, this $110 million deal that includes combat aircraft and radar technology to Saudi Arabia, would you like to see uh, more questions asked? Would you like to see uh, more of an issue in Congress and among Jewish leaders uh, before this deal goes through? Well, I think we have to assess it. First, for one thing, you're talking about huge numbers when you're talking about you know, a $100 billion deal that could grow to much more. And you also have to look at what they're giving to other countries in the region. Even Qatar is getting a more advanced uh, uh, planes. So uh, is the UAE, uh, Egypt, and they're getting it from the United States. They're buying from Russia. They're buying from France uh, fighter jets. So when you uh, accumulate all of that, you begin to see that the numbers become far more significant. You're talking about hundreds of and hundreds of new planes arrayed against Israel. Now, it's true that Israel has an advantage, and we ha- and Israel is the only one that has the F-35. The question is how long that will last. How long will the U.S. Uh, assure that they, they don't get these more advanced uh, planes? They also have the introduction in most of the countries of new anti-aircraft systems, including the S-300 in Egypt, and each of the countries has uh, different systems. Uh, many of them give them the capability from within their own borders to spot Israeli operations. And uh, and while Israel, uh, uh, the promise has been sustained, uh, repeated over and over again that Israel's military edge is not going to be affected. Tillerson said it. Others have said it. But the fact is that the sheer numbers, and and there is more experience in the part of some of the pilots. They've been fighting in Yemen, the Saudis, and in Syria. Uh, again, not a match for for Israel's uh, experience necessarily, but uh, or. Not necessarily, and they're just not. Um, but the the uh, 
if you look at the total array of all of the planes, not just the Saudi package deal, and then the question is, what what more will they pressure to buy? When you're investing four hundred million dollars, a billion dollars, or promising to in the United States, that gives you a lot of a lot of uh, leeway. Right now, you know, it's a more hospitable relationship than it was in the past, but that can change. We know that these things are all very mercurial and and subject to very quick change in uh, in the Middle East. You think there'll be members of Congress who make a big deal about it? I think there'll be members of Congress who will raise questions about it. I hope that uh, but, uh, but look, the Israelis certainly have been raising questions and, and discussing it, and they have not as far as I know, raised public objection to the, to the sale itself. Um, but I'm sure quietly that they are expressing uh, concern. And because, you, you know, you can't think of it today or tomorrow. You've got to think that this thing, what's going to happen five years from now, ten years from now, where you could have changes in the governments. You know, some uh, Saudi Arabia people predict is an unstable regime. What happens when transition? The uh, growth of Wahhabism, other things. You never know in any of these regimes what the situation will be tomorrow. And then with these very advanced uh, weapons, it, it is true that Israel uh, is obviously more capable, and hopefully there will be um, some consideration given. Israel will need to buy many more F-35s, which also give them the ability to evade some of the radar systems or to, to penetrate. Um, but uh, just look at the situation in Sinai. Look what they're facing on, on each of the borders. Uh, to understand that uh, that maintaining that qualitative edge and superiority, not just for the immediate, but for a much longer period, is really in- incredibly important. By the way, while you were in Israel, I don't even know, frankly, if, if, if you knew the answer to this, if you would say it publicly, but I'll ask it anyway. While you were in Israel, did you hear anything about the possibility of some uh, action by Israel along that border with Gaza during these upcoming summer months? There is talk about it. There have been uh, Israeli officials who have uh, military and other officials who say that uh, they see uh, the buildup on the Gaza side by Hamas. Now, Hamas is again getting funding from from Iran. That is a big change, uh, of course. Hezbollah. There was a three-way meeting between in Lebanon between Hezbollah, Hamas, and Iran, uh, and they had broken with each uh, Hamas. Uh, endorsed did not endorse uh, uh, the war in Syria and Assad the way the Iranians wanted so they broke and now they're back funding them and it's interesting that there's a big fight in the Sinai between the Bedouin and ISIS and because of it the uh, ISIS is more limited and they uh, they had kidnapped four members of one of the main tribes and then killed them and returned their bodies and now they're saying it's Hamas that's really supporting ISIS and this is the Bedouin who are now uncovering the tunnels and revealing a lot of information about uh, Hamas's activities against Egypt with ISIS and of course their build up in Israel it's in Gaza itself where they have more and more uh, modern rocketry and stuff and that's why uh, many of the people uh, the analysts in Israel who study this stuff uh, look at it with uh, with concern that that uh, something may have to happen again. Terrorism. Right now, it's not in the interest of Hamas to do it. I think that they are somewhat uh, holding back. Tourism in Israel at the moment is unbelievable. Uh, hotels and ca- record year. Hotels, cab drivers, restaurants, guides are enjoying the incredible uh, uh, the incredible influx of tourists. Thank God. Thank God it should continue. 
And not that that's not a reason to go to war if necessary, obviously. Israel's security is paramount. Uh, but you'd hate to see the uh, that industry, which is so important to Israel, have to suffer even the slightest. Um, by the way, is it disingenuous of the press uh, when ISIS takes responsibility for the Manchester bombing to call him a lone attacker? Isn't that a little s- strange? Well, the British uh, keep saying that uh, that this is uh, that it appeared that he built the bomb alone, etc. But they always leave the caveat open that there was more to it, and clearly there was more. They they admit that he probably was in the, in Lebanon, that he was in other places. So um, the the uh, uh, likelihood that he's an uh, individual. But look at the numbers that they're talking about, that they have 3,000 people under active investigation, 15,000 more that they that uh, are of interest, that the the numbers are, are astonishing when you think about the resources that are necessary to, to sustain that and to monitor uh, uh, all the people. And now you saw the French are, in fact, sending people in to eliminate some of the French fighters something that other countries uh, from the region did for a long time. Uh, they are, are actively uh, um, pursuing them because once they get into the, they return, it's very hard to, to address them and to find them, and they carry out the potential acts. So you have many, many in Europe today, and, uh, and, and you see the statements that the U- you know, England is vulnerable to terror attacks by jihadis who, who can't get to Syria today because they, they're being frustrated uh, uh, in their efforts to get to Syria. So they stay where they are. And now the orders, both ISIS and al-Qaeda, give, say, stay at home and carry out the attacks there. And they name Jewish source t- sites, Israeli sites, but uh, Western sites uh, as well. And the the resources that are available to the to to fight them are, are limited. Yeah, your reaction to the election of Hassan Rouhani in Iran? Look, it's a sham. The fact is that he is just as radical as as most of the others. He he may not you know profess the same publicly, but he certainly has shown that the number of executions, the human rights violations, the Senate acted very decisively over the the days to to pose sanctions and uh, and the house the senate foreign relations committee voted 18 to 3 i think there are 48 co-sponsors in the in the senate already democrats have come on board uh, these efforts to um, to be much more aggressive with new sanctions uh, on Iran's missile program, and they know that the election of Rouhani, uh, it's still the supreme leader who calls the shots. Um, one of the things they're all trying to do is protect uh, the JCPOA. There seems to be a fear that if you if uh, if you give them an excuse, they'll break out. And then now they they are publicly announcing the Iranians that they have the ability to mass produce these advanced centrifuges, which will, if you increase their ability to to break out or to sneak out at some point and increase the uranium enrichment. Right now, most of the the sanctions, the new sanctions that are being introduced, have to do with their human rights, terrorism, and their missile programs, none of which are covered by the JCPOA. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the uh, the Senate when it comes to the Iran sanctions. I mean, it, it, no matter what it says in it, there will likely be an overwhelming Senate vote in its favor, correct? Yes, and, and Iran says it has built a third underground ballistic missile factory. I mean, they challenge all the time. Right. 
and uh, and we know that they're working together with North Korea. There's more revelations to come out about it on the nuclear program, on the uh, missile program, and um, uh, so that even what we see, and IEA admits that they don't have the capacity and capability to to uh, fully uh, monitor and to to have access to the. Information and now they could do it in Iraq. They can do it in elsewhere, uh, Iran, in the territories they control. Uh, and you see, by the way, Soleimani, uh, uh, its presence in in many places, moving around the region, expanding the influence. Uh, and he is the you know the I think the bellwether where you can tell where where, where the uh, Iranians are are moving. So. You have, and, and within Iran, you have clearly a lot of dissatisfaction, a lot of, uh, of concern. There, there have been many assessments that Iran's internal situation has deteriorated, not gotten better. They've also lost people in Syria and um, in Yemen and, and elsewhere. So the, the, the role of Iran, their activities, their aggressiveness, doesn't diminish under Rouhani or anybody else. That's for sure. Finally, uh, when the uh, uh, when the ambassador of Israel to the United Nations is elected vice president of the General Assembly, is that a small deal because it's happened before, or it's a big deal because it's never happened before? Oh, it's the fourth time that an Israeli has been elected, uh, but it is it's a significant statement. It's something they work hard to get because it's a it puts Israel, you know, a certain recognition of Israel coming from the West European and other groups, which is the WIAG, as they're called, which is the regional group to which Israel belongs. Uh, it's not the natural group, but the, the natural group is not one that would have them. So the West European is sort of like a catch-all. Australia's in there, Canada's in the U.S. What is uh, it, Western Europe, European other countries? That's what it is? West European and other groups. <laughs> It's called WIAG, so people have learned something today. Yes, and uh, <laughs> uh, and I think that the the you know so it is a recognition, and, and uh, he has been a very visible uh, ambassador, outspoken. Uh, so this is, uh, but it is. I think they said it's the fourth time that an Israeli ambassador. Uh, it's not just one. I mean, there are several who are designated as. Uh, you know, vice chairman or whatever of the General Assembly. And that means essentially when the secretary is in there or somebody, the, or the chairman uh, uh, of the General Assembly is not there, that one of the vice chair people sits in. And particularly when the prime minister of Israel speaks, they usually are in the chair of the General Assembly. Right. All right. A uh, couple of reminders. Uh, Anti-draft rallies become anti-Israel rallies. It always happens, everybody. Think a thousand times before you go or, frankly, just don't go. Where you should go this Sunday is, of course, the Celebrate Israel Parade, an amazing opportunity in New York City, believe it or not, to show support and come out in favor of the land of Israel, the state of Israel, the government of Israel, and our blessed IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, this coming Sunday up Fifth Avenue in New York City. Malcolm, you will be visible on the parade route. I will be there with the family and not uh, standing but walking. There you go. And we look forward to seeing you. Have a wonderful show. Rest up for the parade, please. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. Well, I'll be at the Young Israel in uh, Scarsdale for Shabbos. So this Shabbos tonight? Comes. Yep. Are they doing a speech tonight? Do they realize what time Shabbos starts? Not tonight, tomorrow. Oh, what's the topic tomorrow? It's a surprise. <laughs> no, nah, come on. <laughs> you got to entice people in Scarsdale to come on out and hear you. <laughs> that, that's the best thing. They'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> what I hate most about Friday mornings, that will be Malcolm's topic. 
<laughs> have a wonderful yeah, Shabbos. Be getting there. Yeah, close, huh? <laughs> Very close. It'll definitely be part of the Q&A, that I can guarantee you. Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Parade Sunday, 5th Avenue, New York City. Be there. Candle lighting 802 officially on uh, this era of Shabbos Parsha's not so 802 officially in the New York area. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody, and good Isru Chag. I hope everybody had a wonderful Yom Tov. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Naso. Parshas Naso, according to the Chinuch, has 18 mitzvos, 7 positive, and 11 restrictions. Interestingly, Parshas Naso has the distinction of being the longest parsha in the Torah, it has 176 verses. Interestingly, the longest psalm or chapter in Tanakh is that of Tilim 119, which has 176 psukim. And finally, the longest mesechta that we are in now and working towards the end thereof is that of Bava Basra, which has 176 blot. I'd like to focus on the mitzvah of Birkas Kohanim. Throughout the Jewish world, while in Israel, they have Birkas Kohanim every day, and many Sephardic congregations throughout the world have Birkas Kohanim every day. Ashkenazic Jewry has uh, Birkas Kohanim, the blessings of the Kohanim, on the Yomim Tovim, and so we were just privileged the last two days to participate in this biblical mitzvah of Birkas Kohanim. And I'd like to share and discuss the... Let's take a look, first of all, what is Birkas Kohanim? It is a threefold bracha. It is the bracha Hamishuleshes and 357. First blessing contains three words, second one five, and the third seven. The opening bracha of Yivarecha Hashem v'Yishmarecha, may God bless you and keep you, is understood to be a bracha of Gashmias, materialism, the physical. And as the rabbis tell us, this is understood with Yivarecha Bibanim, with children, with Osher, with elf, wealth, Beguf, with healthy body and sustained good health, and bezikna, old age. And interestingly, that Yishmarecha means that not only should he grant you these physical blessings, but he as well should protect them because he is the ultimate protector. That is the first bracha. The second bracha of your heir Five words, Hashem may God illuminate His countenance for you and favor you. So this is understood to be a bracha of ruchnios, a bracha of spirituality, as our rabbis understand it. 
that you should be privileged to have Banim B'nai Torah, children who are Tamidei Chachamim, that he should illuminate your eyes by giving you insights into Torah. So the second bracha is that of a spiritual one. And finally, the third one is Yisa Hashem Ponavelecha, may Hashem lift off his face towards you and he should give you peace. And this is understood by our rabbis, as we shall see, to mean that he should literally not only maintain, sustain the blessings, but in a situation where, perhaps in accordance with the letter of the law, you would not be entitled to bracha, even under those conditions, he should give you bracha, beyond the letter of the law, as we shall see. The first question, and I think the most obvious question that goes with this mitzvah, is asked by the Chinuch in Mitzvah 378, and that is, why? Why does the bracha come with and through the Kohanim? After all, we know that God wants to give bracha to the Jewish people. So this is a very basic, fundamental question, and his answer is a very beautiful, powerful one. In simple English, there's no question. He wants to bless the Jewish people directly. However, just in case we are not worthy, what he, Hashem, does is selects our representatives who are, to use the words of the Chinuch, he takes the Kohanim who are Kol, they are Kol Machshavtom Deveka Ba'avodaso. Literally, their entire thoughts are focused on his service. Nafsham Kshura Biyiraso Kolayom. Their soul is tied and is involved with the fear of him and in his service all day. Ubischutam and in their merit, in the merit of the Kohanim, who are deservant of bracha, tochol ha-bracha alehem. The bracha will then come to the Jewish people. In other words, if you'd like to call it a kind of built-in insurance policy, that if we are not worthy, they are worthy, and therefore Hashem wants to bless us, and therefore just to make sure that we're going to get it, he has it through the Kohanim, and therefore from the fact that he blesses the Kohanim, it then comes down to us. They are the Tsinor, they are the channel through which the brachos from on high come down to us. Now take a look, the very fact that the Kohanim cannot initiate the language. Amor lohem. It has to be specifically in this exact 
text, and they're not to add. And if a Kohen would add to these three, five, seven, the formula that we mentioned earlier, and the Torah exactly prescribes, he would be in violation of the biblical prohibition of lo so sif. You're not permitted to add to the mitzvot of the Torah, just as you can't add another species to the Esrog and Lula, Vadasim and Aravos, you can't put a rose in there. And by putting a rose in there, you think you're making it prettier, you're making it better, you're in actuality disqualifying it. Here, too, if a Kohen were to add another bracha, he would be disqualifying it. And more than that, Omar Lahem, we know, as is the practice in every single synagogue throughout the world, what the Kohanim don't know the, uh, the words of the bracha of Yerech Hashem Yishmerecha, we have to uh, feed it to them and give it to them one word at a time that they shouldn't stumble. What is it like? The Chosan Hareyat Mikudeshes Hareyat. Come on, what's going on here? So the answer is lest anyone think that the bracha is originating with them, the very fact that they cannot give the bracha or say it differently, they cannot be the vehicle of bracha unless they are first called upon Amor Lehem, the Chazana Knesses, the leader of the synagogue, calls out Kohanim, and by us, the Chazan, Kohanim. And as a result, we are the ones that are asking them. They have to follow the prescribed exact text. And the ideas that are clearly being um, personified by these blessings of Berkas Kohanim, and I share with you some of the very in- interesting, insightful thoughts of Rav Shimshon Lefol Hirsch. He says, and I quote, We do not yearn for God's closeness in order to attain through it material and spiritual blessing, rather, just the opposite. We seek material and spiritual blessing in order to do with it God's will. That's the first thing in terms of a perspective. Number one, and who best the Kohanim whose mind and focus is on Hashem and after all, the Torah tells us that the role of the Kohanim are the teachers Literally, they were the teachers, as were taught in the early part of the Masechta of Baba Basra. You went, when you brought the Maser Sheni in the first and second and fourth and fifth years of the Shemitah cycle, you brought the second tithe to Jerusalem and had to be eaten in Jerusalem. Why? As the Torah, it says, Leman Tilmad Liyira. And Tosos explains, how will you come to fear God? By seeing the Kohanim, by seeing the Sanhedrin. The Kohanim were the inspiration. And so, number one, we are told that it is coming through the Kohanim, number one. They are the ones worthy of bracha, quote, as our insurance policy. They are the ones to literally um, inspire. But beyond, the Samo Eshmi of Bnei Yisrael, they are to place 
God's name on Israel. Now what does that mean? And again, Rav Hirsch explains beautifully, so that the people of Israel become bearers of the Shekhinah. What does that mean? The Samoeshmiya B'nai Yisrael, they are too, by their very example, they are by their teachings, to impress the name of Hashem on Israel's every aspect. Namely, they are to proclaim that Israel looks to God and to God alone for all blessing and all protection, for all revelation and all ability and all elevation and all peace. In other words, by their focusing and they are their placing Hashem's name on us, they are giving us greater merit and greater schusim by the interaction between the Kohanim and the people. They are giving us greater merit for us to be the ones to be the recipients of bracha. And, listen carefully, how are we to merit birchas Kohanim? So the Gemara in Brachos 20b has a very famous question that the angels ask Hashem. They say, Hashem, my goodness, there seems to be nothing less than a contradiction in your Torah. Why? Because you proclaim in your Torah that you are Asher lo ponim shochad. You are the one who does not show favor and who does not accept a bribe. And this is found in Devarim, chapter 10, Pasuk 17. Yet, oh my goodness, we heard today, we heard yesterday, every day the Kohanim and Eretz Yisrael say that beautiful third bracha of Yisra Hashem Ponav Elecha. May Hashem show you favor. We just said a moment ago he does not show favoritism. And what's his answer? His answer is, my goodness, should I not show favor to Israel? How can I not? Why? Says Hashem, I have written in the Torah, as it says, You shall eat. You shall be satisfied or satiated and bless Hashem your God, which requires to recite the Birkas Hamazon, the grace after meals, only if one has eaten enough to be satiated. And what does God say to the angels? How can I not show favor to the Jewish people? They are especially demanding and exacting upon themselves. Ad that they recite the Birkas Hamazon literally, even if they've only had the size of an olive or ad or the size of an egg. But clearly neither food enough to make them satiated. And because they go out of their way to Hashem, therefore Hashem says, how can I not go out of my way to them? And therefore, this very special formula, Hashem builds into the system that He has those that are worthy, quote-unquote, being our emissaries in the sense of bringing this formula to Hashem, Hashem who has this very special love for them, and they show their love back to Hashem by their blessing us, Ba'ahava, with love. Finally, 
Interestingly, the custom is that we say Yashakoach, thank you to the Kohanim, after they bless the people. What's the thank you for? Not for their doing their mitzvah. For that, they don't deserve a thank you. I don't get a thank you for putting on my tefillin this morning, and my wife doesn't get a thank you for lighting the Shabbos candles this afternoon. But that they do their mitzvah, they do their mitzvah with love, they bless the people with love, shows that the complete Satur- the, the complete dedication that they have to Hashem, which is why they are the true sinor, that they are the true channel through which the blessing comes, is because they have love for Him. Hashem reciprocates His love to them, and through this love to them, the brachos comes to us. Ashrenu matov chelkenu that Hashem builds into the system that halavai we should be worthy directly, but if not, we are worthy and we'll get the brachos through His agents, the Kohanim. Shabbat shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. I thanks Rabbi Yudin, of course. Great words for Parshas Nusso as we. Um... Uh, get ready for the Shabbos after Shavuos. <laughs> Hard to believe that we're going right into Shabbos after Shavuos, but we are. I'm this Isru Chag outside of Israel. Welcome to a JMNAM broadcast. It's Erev Shabbos with candlelighting at 8.02. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, well, it's no secret that uh, one of the highlights of our visit to Israel was the time we got to spend with Daniel Luria, uh, especially Yom Yerushalayim week and discuss the incredible work of Ateret Kohanim of Jerusalem Chai. And Shani Hykind is with us live via telephone as we remind everybody that there is a big dinner that all of us should be at this coming Monday night. That's right. The parade is Sunday. I'm reminding everybody because, you know, with Yontif and everything, it's, it's hard for everybody to remember and get refocused on the events that are coming up. Parade is Sunday. On Monday night, we get to support the American friends of Ateret Kohanim, Jerusalem Chai. Happens at Terrace on the Park beginning at 6 p.m. And it is a um, really an amazing and incredible get-together for Jerusalem. Shani Hykind, welcome back to JM in the AM. Boker Tov Nachum and a Guten Arab Shabbos. How are you? I never say welcome back. You, I never say welcome home when somebody comes back from Jerusalem or from <laughs> Israel. I always say welcome back. You were home, right, Nachum? Certainly was. It was incredible. The time we spend with Daniel Luria and discussing the amazing accomplishments of your organization. You know, it's funny. In 2015, as you recall, we were in the Yemenite village. There were nine families there. I'm sure you're aware of the fact that they're about to start with their 20th family in that neighborhood, which is pretty amazing. That is so incredible, Nachum. I was there. Um, when I was there last summer, uh, I was walking with Daniel. He introduced me to this young, sweet, vivacious, half my size of a woman, also half my age, with little Kindleuch. And she was, and Nira Rabinovich was telling me, why shouldn't we live here? This is our land. What, they can live here and we can't. And then she points to a man. She goes, Johnny, see that guy on the porch? That's the snake of Silwan. I said, the snake of Silwan? She says, yes, he's the one who's behind most of the terrorist attacks here in Yemenite village. I said, Nira, I said, you're from England. 
I said, your husband's Israeli, you're from England. How did your parents deal with your <laughs> moving of all places to Yemenite village, and you're living around the corner from the Snake of Silwan? How do they, they deal with this? <laughs> you know, like, that's incredible. How do you deal with this, Nira? And she says, with a lot of bitachon, we have the army here. Hashem watches over us. We know we're doing the right thing, and God forbid anybody should move. And you know what, Nachum? Nobody has, and nobody ever will. Nobody's going to be intimidated by rock throwing or by Molotov cocktails or or stones thrown thrown on the security jeep. They just they just continue to hold on to this land and to raise their children there. It's mamash. It's just incredible, Nachum. It, it is amazing. It, it is amazing. Shani Hikins with us, Executive Vice President. Ateret Karnim comprises a unique group of pioneers and scholars, as Shani has just described, who've dedicated themselves to restoring Jewish life to all parts of the old city of Jerusalem, which were once home to a vibrant Jewish community. Why is it so important for everybody to be at Terrace on the Park this coming Monday night? Why is it so important? Nachum, do you remember where you were on June 5th, 1967? I was in, like, starting high school. But I remember my father standing with tears in his eyes watching, you know, the TV screen with footage of these of the soldiers, the IDF, you know, marching down. They had just entered the old city. Rabbi, they Rabbi Gorin found a uh, uh, blessed memory. Rabbi Gorin, the saintly chief of the ID, you know, the chief rabbi of the IDF, you know, he was making his way down to the to the hotel, and we heard those famous words, you know, uh, um, um, <laughs> now I'm blinking out. You shall lie and be a hotel be a danger. We got to get it right. We got to get it right because this is such a point of contention. Har habayit biadeinu. Yes, har habayit biadeinu. Two in the morning. Har, I was taking reservations. Believe it or not. Har habayit We we heard the words, and I don't know how many of your listeners know that at the time of the day when Rabbi Gorin actually arrived at the Kotel for the first time in 19 years, it was too early to daven mincha. Nachum. So he whipped out his Tehillim, and he's standing at the Kotel first time in 19 years. Tears flowing down everybody's faces, down soldiers' faces who had only heard of a Kotel. They had no, nobody had been there in the 19 years of Jordanian occupation. And here Rabbi, Rabbi Gorin is reciting Tehillim. So where, where were you? Where were all of your listeners in night in June on June you know it was June seventh, nineteen sixty seven, when Baruch Hashem, with the help of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you know, we got it back. We got back the heart and soul of the Jewish people. So how does one express their gratitude for such a phenomena, Nachum? How, how do we say thank you, Hashem? We can we can give tzedakah, you know. We can we can for those who who daven and say hallel, we're praising Hashem for this for the enormity of this amazing you know, feet, and, and, and we can go to an Atera Kohenim dinner. And I just want to say something for people listening, Nachum, who might say, ah, oh, another dinner, you know, another dinner. When I hear that, Nachum, I feel like, I don't want to tell you what I feel like doing, Nachum, <laughs> because I think to myself, yeah, another dinner, 
another dinner of Joey Bodner's fabulous food, another from Main Event Caters. I, I think of uh, another dinner watching some videos of amazing footage from Israel, another dinner watching, you know, honorary couples being recognized for their significant contributions, you know, and what they're doing for our terraconium, and this year specifically for our children. I said another dinner. And in Israel, they're faced with Molotov cocktails and stones and rocks. And all we're asking people to do is go to another dinner. Can you imagine, Nachum? It's the easiest way to be a supporter. I can tell you that much. You're not, <laughs> ask, you're not asking anybody to, to live under the conditions you just described or to be pioneers. You're asking everybody to get together, have a good time, and enjoy an amazing dinner. The dinner is dedicated to the memory of the esteemed pillars of the organization. Dr. Irving Moskowitz, a blessed memory. Mr. Joseph Mermelstein, a blessed memory. And in honor of the Atarit Karnim children living the 2,000-year-old dream. Guests of honor include uh, Nissan and Dr. Hindi Klein, Dedicating Gan Arye on the rooftop of Beit Hanof. By the way, I hear Beit Hanof is remarkable. It, it, Nachum, when I was up there, I just stood there in utter amazement, looking at this panoramic view in all directions. And I had a feeling when I was there that this would be the perfect spot, spot because it's so large. This rooftop, this would be the perfect place for Nissen and Hindi Klein to dedicate a playground in memory of their son, Aryeh. No parent should ever experience this anguish and loss. But, wow, look what they're doing in memory of their child. Children in Atara Kohanim, the children, so many kids in this big building now, with more moving in, Imrat Hashem, and in the neighboring buildings, so many kids are going to have a safe place to play. And I said, I said, I told Daniel, I said, Hindi and Nissan are going to feel that they are as close to Shemayim as they could possibly feel. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. When you're standing on that rooftop, man alive. Yeah. <laughs> it takes your breath away. I told, I told Daniel on the air that the next trip, I got to go up there. Uh, Nissan and Dr. Hindi Klein, as you mentioned, Duvi and Esther Honig are being honored, and the Rabbinic Leadership Award from Florida at the Shul of Bal Harbor of Isholom and Ribbons and Khani Lipsker. John Bolton, the Honorable Ambassador, will make an appearance, as will Danny Dayan, the Honorable Consul General of Israel, and Fox and Friends anchor Peter Hegseth. You have quite a lineup for Monday night. All people need to do now is make a reservation. Shani, all, Shani, all they what's... have to do is call me uh, at 212-216-9270. 212-216-9270. You can call me. You can call Dr. Joseph Frager. You can call Chaim Leaptag. Any of us. But make a reservation now. You don't want to miss this unbelievable opportunity to celebrate the miracle of 1967. Because if you're not with us, you better have someplace better to be, and I can't possibly <laughs> think of what that better place would be than at Terrace on the Park this Monday night. Monday night, Terrace on the Park in Queens. Everybody get your reservations in. It is the American Friends of Ateret Kanim, Jerusalem Chai. Their Yom Yushalayim dinner celebrates the miracle of 50 years ago and, of course, celebrates the reunification of the city of Jerusalem. Great honorees, wonderful dinner, um, special appearances, as we mentioned, by uh, Ambassador Bolton and Consul General Dayan. You have an opportunity to come out to uh, give support to a group of people that deserves our support, that needs our support, and welcomes our support. 212 216 
212-216-9270 for information. Again, that's 212-216-9270 or jerusalemchai.org slash dinner. jerusalemchai.org slash dinner. It's this coming Monday night, Terrace in the Park in Queens, New York. Shani Heikind, I thank you. Thank you, Nachum. We appreciate the time. So important to help our families. You know, no, you, money that is given by contributions to Atera Kunim, by supporting this dinner Monday night, you know, it's not going to put food on the table. It's not going to buy clothes. It's, that's not the type of tzedakah it is. What is it? It's furthering Jewish life security items, children's activities, supporting nurseries so our women can continue to work like women here work to supplement their husband's income. Women have to work there. But unless you have a safe place to put your toddlers and babies, how can you leave the house, Nachum? You can't. And American Friends supports nurseries, four nurseries that enable women to go out to work. And it's just, and the entire Aterrit Konim focus on Jewish life, renewing Jewish neighborhoods. Mamash, it is something incomparable. And if you want to tell the world that Jerusalem is ours, never to be divided again, then this is where you have to be on Monday night. Emet Hashem, Terrace on the Park at 6 o'clock for American Friends of Atera Konim, Jerusalem Chai. JerusalemChai.org, 212-216-9270. Shani, have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll see you Monday night. There she is, Shani Hyken. She's amazing, and she's right. A golden opportunity to support families that need our support and deserve our support in the holy city of Jerusalem. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.
Zevi Kaufman with Lachad Odi. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos on this Erev Shabbos. Here's Journeys at JM in the AM. Cause all your work is done. Gun 
to spend the day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very, 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 very our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Heard exclusively around the world at NahumSingle.com, the NSN network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Oh yes, that's for sure. Coming up next, Naomi Nachman. She's got another uh, encore edition of Table for Two coming up between 9 and 10. Kedem presents our incredible Arab Shabbos music mix from 10 a.m. on including Mark Zamek's Friday Live Lunch at 1 p.m. presented by Kedem, all the way until candlelighting time for the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix. Tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler featured. Sunday morning, Matis has JM Sunday in advance of our incredible production that we call Parade Coverage from Fifth Avenue, courtesy of our friends at the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, because of them, we get to broadcast from uh, Fifth Avenue and bring you the sights and sounds of the Celebrate Israel Parade this coming Sunday. Make sure to say hi on Fifth Avenue, everybody. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend until uh, Sunday, Parade Day. Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.